0: classes and uh, that's where folks are coming in new and just uh, they're just trying to take them to really the basic basics of our beliefs and uh, Bible beliefs and and uh, the foundations of the Bible and so uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how many I think there's about 15 in between the two classes right now so they're they're picking up a little bit I uh, found out this morning we we really need to get signage around here I've got to get signs because uh, my daughters came in and they have uh, children every age and so and they started asking me where does this one go where does that one go and uh, <laughs> I don't even have any idea I just some go there and some go there and and uh, but we got to get signs up here to show where the nursery is where the bathrooms are we repainted everything and now we gotta get signs up here so um, that'd be, be good uh, hopefully being good Baptist, maybe some of our folks will start showing up here in about 10 minutes. Uh, hopefully in a few minutes we'll get them in here. But uh, before then, until then, we're going to have, oh, I think I turned this on. Let me make sure I did. I did. Okay. We um, want to find out if you have any prayer requests or something we do in a Sunday school class. Uh, we're kind of the leftovers here, but God bless you. Thank you for coming on into this class anyway. But... Um, we want to find out uh, if you have any prayer requests. Any any prayer requests at all? And of course, I know Ms. Hanson. Yes, ma'am. Well they've been through a whole lot and of course Ms Hansen here is battling cancer right now and and uh, well unless the Lord's already healed her she's battling cancer. And so we need to continue to pray. Anybody else? Oh yes, ma'am. But he's out now. Okay. Benjamin Coleman, he was in, uh, he burned, uh, working in food services. FedEx Forum. And then got got burned in the food services there. So, uh, yes, sir. A potential job Well then maybe it's just because you've been looking at yourself uh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright well I mean, I think <laughs> Said Alex Flores? Okay, I thought I knew him. I know that name, Alex Flores. Y'all know him? Alex Flores? I know I do if I see him because I recognize the name. Okay, anybody? Yes or no? Ms. Chan? Just travel just see And I just Does everything go well? And, okay. Anybody else? All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your, your goodness and your grace to us, your mercy and your kindness in our life. Lord, thank you for just uh, being so patient with us. You're amazing the way you put up with us. Now, Father, I pray that you bless. Brother and Mrs. Hansen, they have been through so much, especially Brother Hansen's breathing right now, that you would help him with that. That. Uh, whatever's going on, that they could find it out. They could do something that would help him to, to get uh, the air that he needs and be able to breathe and be strengthened. And, and Lord, I pray you bless him. And Lord, I pray that you continue to just touch Mrs. Hansen's body and, and raise her up. Thank you that she's uh, feeling well today and doing better. And then Lord, for um, Benjamin Coleman, it's been burned and, and been so long in, the, in that burn unit hospital. Lord, I pray that you'd bless him and continue to heal him, especially because of the diabetes, that you would help him. And, Lord, uh, not sure what uh, this potential is about this contact that was was made. Uh, Brother Kenzie, Lord, I pray that you'd please, uh, whatever it would be your will, that you'd work something there. And uh, for this pastor, Alex Flores, uh, is a mighty young man to be struggling so with health Issues. I pray, please, Lord, that you would bless him and heal him and strengthen his body, raise him up as he pastors that church. And, and then, Lord, as we prayed so many times for for Luke, that you would just continue to touch his body and heal him. Lord, what a miracle of grace uh, that he is, even today. Lord, I pray that you continue to strengthen his heart, uh, all that the therapy would go well, and that he get stronger and stronger by the day. And then, Lord as jan travels lord i pray that you would keep her safe her traveling mercies and be with her but then lord uh, all the time with family just to give wisdom and grace and discretion and understanding through all the, uh, that she might uh, all the interactions that go on lord i pray that you please bless them and father i know there's some uh, hopefully on their way here this morning that uh, uh lord i pray you bless them as they Tempting to be here. They're coming here. Lord, I pray that you be with them. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd just be with us and me, especially as I speak this morning Sunday school class and then the service to come. We need your blessing, your power, your presence as we speak. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, we've got a uh, lot. I had a big week, an incredibly big week. It was uh, pretty exciting, all that went on. Uh, with camp, we had a lot of decisions. I think they said they had one hundred and sixty five campers and counselors that were there and that's that 's a pretty good size pretty good size camp as I told them I think it 's really the perfect size camp it, it, anything past that start to almost get too big for me anyway for I, I can uh, really get to know the kids this way and I really did was able to participate with them, do things with them and and uh, and it, it was a, a lot of fun, but besides that, there were just a multitude of decisions. Uh, they, the young people tonight would be giving testimony, uh, and counselors, whoever would like to, but uh, just to give you an example, on Thursday night, the young men, uh, they divided the young ladies and the men for testimonies and and the devotions at night, and the men, young men, started at 11:30 giving testimonies, and we finished up. Well, just stopped them; they were still some raising their hands. But at 2, two a.m., uh, we we said, "Okay, we're done." <laughs> uh, but uh, and it was really a lot of really wonderful decisions, and I was thrilled about that. Okay, if we go to the Book of Genesis, of course, is where we've been, and and uh, you know what. Uh, I'm gonna have to find it myself because I, uh, I think you can obviously tell I'm pretty tired because I was going Jacob and Esau and uh, I think it's just as well. Let me just get to it and I didn't put it down in my in my in my notes the exact chapter. So, but we're gonna be talking about Jacob and Esau this morning. Uh, here we go. 25? Is that where you want to look? My mind was saying 25. So Abraham, uh, okay, 24. We had uh, the, we had uh, the, they couldn't have been there because 25 and here we go. All right. Uh, Jacob and Esau, and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed. That's verse 11 of chapter 25. And it came to pass after that, the death of Abraham, that that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt by the well of Laharoi. Now these are generations, and it goes into the, the generations of, of Abraham and, and Isaac. And uh, then it says, verse 19, these are generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Pan and Aram the sister of Laban, uh, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled behold there were twins in her womb and the first came out red all over like the like a hairy garment and they called his name esau and after that came his brother out and his hand took hold on esau's heel. and his name was called jacob and isaac was three score years old when she bare them and the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in the tents. Now, uh, we'll, we'll pick up there just in, the, in a second, but this already gives us kind of an idea of these two. These two were obviously fraternal twins by their description, and these two, uh, as so many children, where they were different in looks, I mean, we got uh, Ashley and Heather here, they're Sisters, and uh, you know, in many ways, they look different—different different hair color, different. Uh, well, depending on when you meet them, it's different hair color. Uh, and whenever you meet them, it's always different hair color. Uh, not they're different, but each one of them individually is different. And but they're different in personality. That's the thing I've talked about so often. Your children differ so much in personality. They just—it's incredible. Uh, how they can grow up in the same home and their personalities be so amazingly different. But these two, were, they were different in looks, they were different in personality, they were different in physical strength, I think. They were different in their desires. They just had totally different desires, what they wanted to do with their lives. Now, we already see one was an outdoorsman, and you know, just put in today's terminology, the other was a computer geek. Uh, one just loved to be inside, one loved to work and create an appetite, the other one wanted to cook to fulfill somebody's appetite. And uh, one wanted to hunt and fish and the other wanted to cook the fish. And they just completely different, these two young men. They were just as different as night and day. So there probably couldn't be two boys any more different, it seems, than these two boys. And this, this is kind of where we're, we're gonna start off looking at, in reality though, I mean, these, these boys are just as different as different can be, and you think, man, there's, they have nothing in common, but they have something in common that's very, very serious in their lives. You know, we, we tend, as uh, parents, grandparents even, uh, you know, as I look at my grandchildren, I'll see in them uh, traits, and I'll recognize those traits came from me. Those traits came from my father or their grandfather on the other they are similar and it just because they're genetically they're similar but also they pick up our our characteristics and i'll see that that taking place they're so similar uh and you see this in them but the, here's the, the the scary part i guess is that they will pick up our greatest strengths and they'll pick up our greatest weaknesses Those weaknesses is is what I worry about. Those weaknesses is what I'm concerned about. Now, I don't see this in Isaac's life, but I feel like somewhere it had to be in Isaac's life, and that's this. Neither one of these young men was driven by principle. Neither one of them was guided by principle. They were guided both by emotion. They were both guided by desire. And I think that's what we're going to see. Uh, they, they were so different, yet they had this one similarity. And sadly, it was a very, very negative similarity. Uh, Esau was emotion-driven. What we're going to see here, if we look at verse 28, and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sighed pottage. That just sounds terrible. And Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Now, he really wasn't. I mean, he's not going to pass out and die. You can, you can go without food for a while unless he's hypoglycemic. Uh, he's going to survive. But, and Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Now, that's amazing. It's amazing that he would even consider it. It's amazing that he he would even agree to this. But, and Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him and sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So we, we see here this emotion-driven Esau, he's just hungry. And right now, he's willing to do anything to fulfill that hunger. He's willing to do anything to, to have what he wants right now. Esau yielded his desire, yielded to his desire rather than considering, considering the end of the matter. And that's something, again, what we, we have to do as Christians and we have to do as people and we have to teach our children. you got to consider where is this going to take you. And this is something I, I tell young creatures. This is something I tell uh, my own children. This is something I tell my grandchildren. You got, you don't just think about what it's going to do for you at this moment. You know, it, it's the, the, this pleasure that you may receive this moment, this enjoyment that you may receive. And it may look really good. It may look like this is going to work great right now in the short-term uh, environment. But you had to stop and say, where's this taking me? Where's this going? And this is what Esau did not do. He did not consider the end of the matter. He did not look down the road and see if a bridge was out on this road that he's traveling. We were we, uh, going back to North Carolina uh, recently, and, and we, we normally get off about 10 miles before the exit that the GPS tells you get off on and go the back roads there. And, um, and so I came down, and there was a, kind of a roadblock thing, but it was off to the side of the road, and, you know, saying road closed and all that kind of stuff, but it kind of been pulled to the side of the road enough that I can get by it anyway. And so I thought, okay, you know, most of these things that say road closed, they're really not road closed. You, know, you can go on up here, and you can work your way on through them, and it's going to be a lot shorter if I go this way. So I went and drove about three miles, and when I got there, guess what? The road was closed. You know? It was the road was closed. Now, you you the sign told me it was. And I should just read the sign and obey the sign and believe the sign. But you know, inside of me it's just my brain, oh, it's gonna be better if I go this way because I'll get through. But that's what so many people do. And the truth is, you end up wasting a lot more time as you have to turn around and come back, and then you have to work your way around this thing. And so, uh, and the problem is, is that so often we don't learn. So the next time I came back into North Carolina, I got back off on that same road. And, you know, I came down, surely they finished by now. Surely they've got it fixed enough by now. And there's that little road close sign. And I know by this time they've got it opened up enough for me to get through. So I drove right on down there, and the road was closed. And you'd think sometimes you'd you'd learn. And that's what, what the whole issue we're talking about right now with Esau. Esau just didn't look at the end. It would have served him well to have heard and learned and heeded this principle. It's one I quote so often. You've probably heard me 10 times already. But never sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Never sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Here's, here's Esau, and Esau just was hungry. He came home, and he was starving to death, he thought. He really wasn't, but he was so hungry, so weak. He just had to eat, got to have it. I'm so hungry, I'll agree to anything, and so he does. But what he did was, in order to have immediate satisfaction, he sacrificed his whole birthright. He he sacrificed his whole future. So Esau threw away his birthright of a lifetime for a satisfying meal in a moment. And we do this so often, it's sad. But if Esau had been a man of principle, he had weighed the cost rather than being driven by his belly. But here's the, the whole teaching. Esau is an example of many Christians today. There's a failure to see or even desire to see where something might lead. Rather, it's a desire for pleasures now that overrides our decisions. Now, it, the truthfully, uh, I started to put down this as another little saying, you know, pay, uh, play now, pay later, or pay now, play later. But the truth is, even what I'm seeing in the society, it's really not play now, pay later because they don't believe they're going to pay. It's play now and continue to play, they think. That there's no payment that's coming. This is the exact opposite of Moses. Moses in Hebrews, I did write this one down, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 says this, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he's reared by Pharaoh. He's reared by Pharaoh's daughter. But he says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses could say he, he had this immediate incredible satisfaction. He's the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He can be, he's an adopted son, but he's being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he's got everything before him for pleasure right now. But he said, rather than do that, rather than the pleasures of sin for a season, he chose the affliction of the people of God. He said, I'm going to go be called a child of God. I'm going to go live, in today's vernacular, as a Christian. I'm going to go sacrifice some things and not do some things because I'd rather live for God now and what God will do for me rather than live in this pleasures of sin. And notice he says, for a season. It's just for a season. It's just for a short period of time. And why does he do this? He says he is esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of, of the reward. And so he, he looked and realized what you do is you've got to look forward and say the benefit, the long-term benefit is going to be so good. To stand before God and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And say, well, man, I mean, don't you get any some benefit in this life, you know, before you go to heaven? Well, it should be enough that we can just stand before God and He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But the truth is, serving God is the most blessed life. It may not bring you all the trinkets and toys and things. And again, it's a statement that that I've made so many times uh, to people, and I just did in a family conference I was just at, but but You know you may not have everything everybody else has around you when you sacrifice so to speak for god but if you follow god there'll come a time in your life where you'll have everything everybody else wants because as they live their life in the pleasures of sin for a season that sin comes back that sin the payment of it comes pouring back on them And so in their later life, they start saying, I would, God, that I had. I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd lived differently. On the other side of it, you say, thank God I did. Thank God that maybe we didn't have everything. Maybe we didn't, you know, uh, enjoy, so to speak, everything that the world would enjoy. But right now, thank God I did because this is incredible. It's incredible to... To the blessings of God now here's again some little principle out of this or or thought out of this Esau was reared by a spiritual leader and failed to assimilate godly principles into his life somehow Esau was reared by Isaac the grand and he was the grandson of Abraham yet he really struggled with principles moses was reared in the world but sought god now you're saying well wow does that mean we should rear our children in the world no it means that we should make sure that our children appreciate what they have not hate it you know i I always give credit to to joe beth but when we we moved up to Indiana especially, you know, we had a, a little home here, and, and uh, it was out in Coylebone. It was a nice little home. It was actually a, little, a very small four-bedroom home, but it was very each bedroom. I, I, I Still today, I'd like to go see it because I don't know how in the world it was a four-bedroom home. It wasn't big enough to, you know, have anything, but I guess everything was just little bitty squares or something. I'm not sure, but but it was a very nice little home, and... We moved away from here. we were actually renting a townhouse at the time in Memphis, but moved away. And we went to a one bedroom attic apartment and it, you know I always say you know we you know we had wall to wall babies and uh you know just Joe Beth in the winter there we moved in the winter and we had no dryer in the beginning, and if we did, we couldn't afford to to use it and so she strung she had she had clothesline all inside the apartment. You know, when you came in, opened the door, you had to get down on your knees and crawl under all the, the diapers everywhere. And, it, you know, just all that, it was crazy. I mean, we had no living room furniture. We had a bed, and we had a, a dresser, and that's about all that bedroom that one bedroom had room for it. It had a bed that pretty much went from wall to wall, and we had a dresser, and then we had the living room, and in the living room, we... We, uh, I took uh, skids from work and I built a bunk bed, and John knows how good I am at building stuff. So uh, it it was amazing looking thing. We should have kept it. It would have been uh, probably worth incredible things now. But the, uh, but I built this uh, little miniature bunk bed out of skids and and we had uh, the babies all in the, in the, the living room there and the diapers everywhere. We had one chair in the whole house other than the kitchen chair and tables. And that's the way we lived for about the next two and a half years before we got wealthy and moved to the one bedroom downstairs apartment. Uh, and so that was uh, in it, and it had a little bit bigger bedroom, but same situation. And uh, it was one of those, especially in the upstairs, is the bathroom, you know, with the, the slanted ceiling so you're. You're taking a shower like this, which I was always exciting for two and a half years. Um, but in all of that time, in all the next 30 years, jo Beth somehow convinced the girls that this was exciting. Somehow convinced the girls that it was an adventure. Somehow convinced the girls that this was the greatest life in the world. To those that are old enough to remember that little place that we lived in in Lansing, Illinois, they have really good memories of it. Playing in the front yard that was probably not as big as this section of pews, and the, I don't think it was, I don't think it was as big as this section of pews. And that was it, surrounded by a parking lot, everywhere. Businesses everywhere, but everything that we did, everywhere we went, every, everything we faced, she just convinced them that it was fun. It was an adventure. It was exciting that God was taking care of us. And, and it's all, she taught the girls not to be discouraged by serving God. Not to be disappointed that you don't have the things that other people have. And I think that was, that's huge. And I think that's so important because Esau was reared by a spiritual leader, but he was driven by his desire for things driven by his emotion. But then there's, i got to hurry. Then there's Jacob. And I've been taking it individually, but these two just kind of go together as twins. Then there was Jacob whose name means supplanter. Supplanter is one who takes the place and position of another, usually through trickery and somehow and that's why Jacob, of course, he lives up to his name or was named this because he was a supplanter. uh, But uh, obviously he was named first, but We looked at the two, and we know God is going to use Jacob to bring about the nation of Israel. Now, I don't think it's because he can cook that God's going to do that. I don't think it's because he liked to stay at home that God's going to do that. I don't think God's against a man being a man that goes out and hunts and fish and works the field. I don't think he chose him. uh, Those had nothing to do with it. Why did he choose Esau, I mean choose uh, Jacob instead of Esau, but here's the key. Neither one of them was principally driven. Neither one of them were driven by principle. Both of them were driven by emotion. You got Esau that comes in and he's hungry and he's just starving. And so he's willing to just sell everything, uh, give every, his birthright was, which was so important in that, in that uh, you know, time period. And, and so he, he's going to give up his, his birthright and he asks uh, for this food, just for one little meal, he's willing to sacrifice everything. you got Jacob who is, again, he is not principally driven because Jacob desired power, and he lived by consequentialism. He lived by the end justifies the means. He, whatever you do becomes right if it acquires you the desired result. So Jacob's re- willing to trick people. Jacob's willing to deceive people in order to get everything, and it becomes okay because... Uh, he got the birthright. It doesn't matter what I do to get it. I can. I'm going to get it. And there was no love for his brother. There was no desire to sacrifice for others. It was all about self and a desire for self promotion. So why did God use? Why did God use Jacob instead of Esau? And here's uh, the bottom of my time's going to run out on me because we stopped a few minutes earlier in here, but. God used Jacob even though he was not principally driven, just like Esau was not principally driven, they were both desire driven uh, which is always a a, a you know just 'm I'm, I'm, I'm a little tired today, but can't about kill me this week the uh, uh their their whole lives were were these desire driven rather than being principally driven, and and that always leads to destruction. It always leads you to make wrong decisions. It always leads you to where the bridge is out and the road is closed. Or even more than that, you drive off the bridge because you're so driven by desire, you're going to end up hurting yourself and hurting others. So why would would God pick Jacob? Well, it wasn't because he was a dweller in the tent. It was because the dweller in the tent was willing to wrestle with God. He was willing to do what it took to appease his brother. What it comes down to, God came into Jacob's life. Something happened to the supplanter. He was a man who kept his word and worked for Rachel even after he had been a victim of deception himself. He became a different man, so much so that God said, you're, you're no longer Jacob, but you're Israel. And, you, and ultimately, in the you know, three or four minutes I'm going to take right now, ultimately it comes down to this. you got two brothers. They're both emotionally driven. They're both desire driven. They're both, uh, they're both headed toward destruction because of their desires, because uh, you know, one's living by deception, one's just totally emotion driven, and he's going to make all kinds of bad decisions. But God's going to bless one of them simply because one finally said, I submit to God. I give my life to God. So what is the lesson here? Don't ever give up on anybody. You say, man, that, that guy has no character. That guy has no discipline. That guy's just driven by his desire. He'll never, watch this, he'll never amount to anything. Really? Anybody can do anything because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Anybody that gives his life to God can be used by God. That's what happened. The dweller in the tent, the cook, was willing to rest, wrestle with God. He was willing to do anything to appease his brother when they met. He was a man who kept his word and worked for Rachel even after he himself had been a victim of deception. He became a different man, so much so God changed his name. So the great truth in in life of these two is that we as parents, grandparents, as leaders should never give up on anyone. Jacob, Israel, is a wonderful example of what God can do in life. Change the life, and truthfully that 's what the church is all about that 's what we 're trying to do right now is that there's not we're not looking for perfect people like jesus said he didn't, he didn 't come to save the, the good people he came to save sinners we 're looking to, to try to be a help and a blessing to everyone because everyone has incredible posit- potential with God now the other side of sadly there's no evidence that Esau ever changed Esau doesn't really get real specific about it but because God really did not use Esau Esau never I believe Esau never turned his heart toward God he continued to live by desire he continued to live by the things that he wanted anybody live out there uh, Anybody got a question about? I never do this, but I I thought I might. We got just 30 seconds or so. Anybody got a question about Jacob, Esau? Probably not. It's a pretty simplistic thing, but as you look at these two, I, I look at Isaac. Yes, sir. Well, Esau, you know, he becomes a great nation. He's gonna, he's still, you know, but basically, uh, it's, you know, he will be the nations that war against Israel. He's gonna be the the nations that are there even now that war against Israel. Uh, No, I think they, they did because they were both, okay. Esau was still desire driven at the moment And he's wealthy. I think the truth is, if Jacob had come back trying to deceive, Jacob had come back trying to, you know, uh, he wasn't wasn't humble, I think there'd been war right then. But Esau's still emotion-driven, and he's the conqueror without fighting. He's the greater without fighting. He's wealthy. He's powerful. And so he's willing to say, you know, you can go ahead about your business because I got more than you anyway. It's pretty much what I what I read into it. But from that point on, you know, historically, they're going to be those two nations, so to speak, are going to be warring against each other. All right, let's hear Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to have our class. Lord, I pray you bless our services to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. We got about seventeen, eighteen minutes. Whew. Something happened? You, uh,